This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today I want to talk to you about animal homes. We'll discover animals who built their homes out of straw, built their homes out of sticks, and built their homes out of bricks and poop and mucus. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, what the heck is that ant doing with that larva's butt? First, let's address the elephant in the room, which sadly isn't a real elephant, even though I'd love to be buddies with an elephant. COVID-19, the coronavirus that is now a global pandemic, is certainly scary. I'm not a public health expert, and you should always listen to them over me, but here's what I've gathered. This is a very serious public health concern, but you shouldn't panic. This is survivable if we all work together to make ourselves and each other safe. While COVID-19 is not typically a serious illness for young and well people, more vulnerable groups such as older adults and those with serious pre-existing diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, and lung disease are at higher risk, according to the CDC. Just because there's a good prognosis for most people doesn't mean we shouldn't take this very seriously. We can absolutely save lives if we take the steps necessary to protect the community. Some of the things that you can do are washing your hands for at least 20 seconds in warm, soapy water, avoiding touching your face, and practicing social distancing. A lot of us are now practicing self-isolation, avoiding large gatherings, and limiting social contact. This may seem extreme or scary, but it's actually really going to help out. By limiting social contact, we're slowing the spread of disease, and that's important. By slowing down the disease, we're helping to limit the number of cases so hospitals and supplies don't become overtaxed. Of course, a lot of people still have to work and can't work from home, and I could go on a whole long rant about how our society should be better prepared to take care of everyone in times like these, but I'll spare you that. But if you can limit your social contact, you're helping out everyone who can't and everyone who is more vulnerable to the disease. But of course, staying home can be hard on our mental health. So I thought this time I'd talk about animals who stay cozy in their little homes so we don't feel so alone. Joining me today to talk about cute and cozy animal abodes is our producer, Joelle Monique. Hey! Hey there! Thank you so much for that. I feel very reassured. <laughs> uh, we are obviously taking a lot of precautions yes. here, which yes. is why I'm back so soon. We're going to try to limit our guests, but hopefully you guys will be hearing some familiar voices soon. So that'll be really exciting. Yeah, I think we're going to probably take this remote pretty soon if we can. But yeah, we're being very careful here. I know I am uh, in my apartment with two other people because we're all staying home, working from home. And Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it feels, I think it feels apocalyptic because you see like nobody's out on the streets and like. Shelves um, are empty shelves in the are stores. Empty. But that's, it's not because we're running out of food. No. I want people like, don't panic too much about food. We're not going to run out of food. It's because of sort of the 
that group psychology of like you see other people buying it and you see shelves empty and you start to panic and you yeah. start to load up on food and then it you know and then other people it's like oh man we're running out of food so i need to get some food Absolutely. and and it's not to say that it's like oh people are all stupid and overreacting it's just kind of a it's a domino effect but we're going to be okay nobody you know we're not going to like uh run out of food in the country but yeah i mean if you can help out people who can't go to the grocery store and like say you have a neighbor who can't get food you know yeah. like like give them some of your some of your macaronis and, and shout out to our farmers who are still working out in the field yeah. like picking plants and stuff i saw some farmer aids videos on twitter today uh and i was like wow in the rain in the cold knowing yeah. that we have to eat <laughs> really appreciate yeah. you guys yeah i'm excited to hear about ants and uh, larva butt, though. Yes, yes, which will come very soon. And it's <laughs> so I did. And I think a lot of people are sticking at home when they can. And some people can't. But uh, for those of us who can and are doing it, you know, good job on, uh, you know, kind of helping helping the community. And here's some animal homes, I think, that are really cozy and might make you feel a little better about being stuck at home. So first, I want to talk about weaver birds. Okay, let's do this. So these are, okay, in this section, these are the animals who make their homes out of leaves and straw. So like the, I kind of have a Three Little Pigs theme going on. (laughs) I don't know how, I don't know if kids these days even know about Three Little Pigs. Is Uh, that a thing? Children, I hope you know. I feel like that's a story everybody gets in their youth. Like I know my mom got it as a child, so. Yeah, is it all, is it all like Peppa Pigs now though? And it's all dabs, it's all dabs and Tide Pods and Peppa Pigs. I don't, I'm old. Rescue dogs, I'm here for it. So weaver birds are a family of birds that weave complex nests. There are many different species of weavers with different habits, but typically they're small birds, they're kind of sparrow-like, and they create their nests out of grass and other plant fibers. So rather than that typical little twig bowl that other birds make, weavers, well, they weave complex nests that can hang from branches. Mm. So first, I want to talk about the bioweaver. And I sent you some of these photos, okay, Joelle. Okay, so I'm looking at the bioweaver. Yes. How, okay, so these homes are like 60s modern sort of homes. <laughs> Pod like if homes, you've seen, yeah. Yeah, if you've seen... The fireplaces they had in the 60s were for these sort yeah. of like round freestanding with a tall chimney. Teardrop, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what very this mod. nest is giving me. I these love These birds it. are very mod, yeah. So they're a bright yellow sparrow-like weaver who lives in Southeast Asia and India. They eat grain, seeds, insects, small amphibians, and mollusks sometimes too. Um, they are highly social and they will build little cities out of their nests. So they will take over a tree, build a bunch of these little teardrop. It, it looks like, it kind of looks like a weird Christmas tree because there's a bunch of these nests just dangling from the tree. A metropolitan nesting situation. Exactly. I love that. So the males are the homemakers. Uh, they will weave the teardrop shaped nests and there's an orb bottom with the nesting chamber and an opening on the side and a narrow top that connects it to a tree branch. And it's made out of strips of rice paddy leaves, which are uh, very painstakingly gathered and intricately woven together to form a solid mesh. It's like, it's very solid. It's not like a sort of loosely weaved nets. It it looks looks solid. I mean, it's holding at least two bodies we're seeing now, so yeah. And eggs in there, It's it's gotta be sturdy. So they are known to make up to 500 trips back and forth to gather plant Whoa. fibers to weave the nest. And they are built on trees or man-made structures if they're near an urban environment. Uh, typically, they do prefer either palm trees or thorny acacia trees, which the thorny trees are great because that offers more protection from predators. And they'll often have the nests overhanging the water And that elaborate construction and location makes it harder for predators to enter the nest and steal their eggs or their chicks. So if you think about a normal bird's nest kind of sitting in the like a crook of the tree, a snake can just kind of slither up there and be like, I'm going to get your eggs (laughs) and, uh, and snack on those eggs. But when you have this weird mod 60s teardrop shape dangling over water, a snake is going to be like, uh, what? No, 
what <laughs> aliens bird aliens that they, they, they're not going to mess with that because they can't like figure out how to get in there that certainly offers much more of a challenge for them if they wanted to try right. to get out there right exactly i mean and, and they could always just like fall right in the water and, and you know there are some snakes that don't mind getting wet but some of them do so you know <laughs> <laughs> They're also bizarrely all built on the east side of the tree to protect the nests from southwest monsoon winds. Whoa. Uh, their breeding season is during the monsoon, so having that little extra protection from the winds is very important. And uh, so the way the courtship works is that the males will partially build the nest and females will come, inspect the nest, you know, kind of poke around, be like, hmm, interesting, interesting use of joists. Hmm. <laughs> they... Prefer well-constructed nests, but most importantly is the location of the nest. So like the prima location, you know, like up at the top of the tree are the most favored of nests. This is like the bachelorette when they go to the homes and they have to like be like, Mm, is your family crazy? Does (laughs) this house fit my Mm -hmm. lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Okay, I dig Mm -hmm. it. Dangling from a branch over a body of water. This is, that's my kind of guy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at look at this view. Yeah, uh, that hole probably offers like a very cinematic. A lack of like, snakes. Wide, a yes. lack of snakes is kind of my thing. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like if if you have a snake proof house, that's what I'm looking for. I think there was so in my hometown in San Diego. I think there was this big, like weird mansion that was built uh, sort of in the chaparral area, and they built like this huge wall to try to keep the snakes from getting what? in. But the thing is, it didn't keep the snakes from getting in. Did it keep them from getting out, though? Because that sounds like... <laughs> probably probably the snakes like got in there, couldn't figure out how to get out, and then they just had the big snake pit. And now it's just a snake mansion. Just a snake mansion full, not... of, full of bougie snakes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little monocle. Yeah, a little mustache and monocle. Someone draw this for us, please. <laughs> Snake Mansion. <laughs> I would write a theme song about it. Bat Bachelorette. <laughs> Amazing. So once a female has selected uh, the mate with the best constructed house, they will help the males put the finishing touches on the nest. Maybe add a little bit of mud inside. You know, oh, just those cohabitating. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, though, there are sneaky females who will see a cute little couple with their beautiful little house Uh-oh. and be like, "Hmm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay my egg in there, and they're going to raise my baby, and they won't even know it." Oh, well, that just seems great. You raised this I thing. Know. I know. But these birds live some soap opera lives. It's like, very dramatic. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, that was my baby you raised. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> do they Maria, come back no. For their, do they come back for their kids? No. Like, do, do we know why they just don't because, want to raise their child? Well, because it's it's actually pretty smart because then they don't have to spend the resources on oh. that baby and it gets raised by someone else and they spend their... It's, it's a form of parasitism. So, like, just wow. like a parasite will feed on, like, say, your blood or something, a brood parasite will steal resources from another pair of parents and get them to feed like cuckoo birds are famous for doing this but yeah but yeah sometimes there will be individuals within a bird species that practice uh parasitism like not the whole species just a few sneaky individuals and it's actually kind of interesting how those dynamics work out because obviously not everyone can do that you have a critical mass of of how many like sneaky sure can get uh, away with yeah, it yeah exactly like, linda i see you trying to drop your egg <laughs> in this basket and girl no uh, you're not raising your child it's easter though that <laughs> <laughs> was there when i got here i swear oh, it's, it's an easter present <laughs> i hear peeping from inside the egg no oh, God. <laughs> so another type of weaver is the sociable weaver so if you could scroll down to the second image. Yes. Ooh. It's going to look like a weird Lorax palm tree thing. A Lorax palm tree is a really good description. Yeah. I'm going to go avant-garde hut. Yeah. It's weird because it's like a round mound like yeah. on top. It, okay. So you know the light poles that are in like grocery store parking lots where they have like the four square lights on the top? Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but there is like a grass skirt hut underneath yeah. it. It is so... Yeah. Weird to look at. And especially we're looking at a number of these trees in the background and none of yeah. them have the nest. It's so weird. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. So 
I think that's actually a telephone pole. It looks like a tree, right? though. I was going to say, I think yeah. I'm seeing things connected to yeah, it. Yeah, it's a telephone pole. It looks Whoa. like a tree, though, because the sociable weaver bird has built so much nest material that it looks like just a big sh- shaggy tree. Wow. It Actually, the silhouette kind of looks like something you'd find at, like, some weird fashion week thing, like a person with a big, <laughs> like, hat made out of grass and a big, like, poncho made out of grass. But, you know, huge, telephone pole-sized. So the sociable weaver is a bird in the weaver family that makes giant communal homes. So they live in the Kalahari Desert of southern Africa. They look like little sparrows, and their nests look like those weird, huge Lorax-style trees with, like, a big tuft at the top and, like, a huge, like, skirt. They can be just different shapes and sizes, but usually it's just a huge mass of dried grasses. So they will construct these nests on any pole structure. So it could be a tree, it could be a telephone pole, any anything they can st- stick a bunch of dead grass onto, essentially. And they will use these dry grasses and So many of them work together on this thing that they will make a giant apartment complex weighing up to a ton. Whoa. Yeah. So it's basically just this massive bale of hay stuck up on a pole. How? Well, I mean, like with a bunch of individuals working together, sticking stuff on there, eventually it accumulates and you have – but it's not just like one big nest. It's a bunch of little apartment – like little apartment uh, rooms. It seems to defy the law of physics that it stays up there without <laughs> any kind of base. Like it is just literally like you can see the bottom of this telephone pole. Yeah. So it's not like it's from the ground or like they built it at one point until it reached the ground. I mean, I guess so like the telephone pole probably has like a some bars, like those little like sort of bars that sure. go up the telephone pole. So probably once you have that lattice and they keep adding and adding and adding and then at a certain point the grasses are sort of uh, woven together so that it is supporting itself by that. But I imagine if you gave that thing a good a good shake, like in an earthquake, it probably would collapse. But yeah, yeah. it See, seems yeah. pretty balanced on both sides. So, yeah. you know, obviously it's not pulling the pole one way or the other. Yeah. It's just a kind of like a really intriguing technical feat. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is bizarre to see, especially on a telephone pole, because like on a tree, you can see like, how OK, you got it. All these nooks Here's and crannies or and stuff. Something, yeah. yeah. But on the telephone pole, it really is sort of a house of cards there. But yeah, so. Um, even though it looks like a random pile of dry grass, it's actually full of these little individual apartments, which the weavers painstakingly construct. They tend to them all year round and make constant home improvements. That might be another reason it kind of remains stable. They're always kind of, you know, refurbishing it, making sure it's stable. And uh, they're little chambers with hallways leading from the entrance. Um, and at the front of the entrance, they have a nice little welcome mat made out of spiky straw, which is actually an unwelcome mat because it's meant to ward off predators. And by building a huge apartment complex, these birds shelter themselves from the elements. Uh, they live in the desert, which can become extremely hot and extremely cold. So it ranges from 110 degrees Fahrenheit during the day in the summer to 15 15 degrees in the winter. And so those thick layers of grasses both insulate them from heat and cold. And these apartments are so wonderful that even other birds will sometimes take over an abandoned apartment. Well, so pygmy falcons, red-headed finches, and the rosy-faced lovebirds all love to kind of go in and squat. I don't know if they always, like, kick out a bird, but, like, if they find one that is not being lived in. Although the pygmy falcons are kind of stinkers because they – while they – so they're ti- teeny tiny falcons are actually quite cute like you know the do you remember in looney tunes like the little chicken hawk like the oh little yeah teeny tiny? he's so cute yeah yeah they're like that they're these little they look like falcons but mini <laughs> and they will sometimes nosh on a weaver bird or a weaver hatchling but okay, rude i, I know back right the cute i know right not at all but they aren't so bad they're not just going bananas they they kind of seem to try to keep it keep it a little bit reserved there they're they're trying okay. to keep it in control because i think they realize like they got a good situation here and they can't just eat eat all their uh, fellow tenants otherwise they're probably going to get evicted that makes sense <laughs> so, so wait, they'll cohabitate with the birds yeah yeah whoa and a ca- look just occasionally eat a chick like come on okay I mean, uh, that was 
My rent, it's not your place. Right. Listen, okay, I get it. We all right. have to eat. Right. Circle of life. Like, I feel like if I had a really good uh, apartment neighbor who always cleaned their trash and uh, kept quiet and stuff and occasionally ate a baby, that'd be okay. That'd be no problem. <laughs> Given the living conditions of LA, you'd be like, that's just part for the that's course. That's just part. Yeah, exactly. So, so now I want to move on a very different animal who also does social weaving, which is the weaver ant. Ooh. So weaver uh. ants are found in Australia and Asia. Did you see the photo? You know, after birds, <laughs> what my least favorite things are. And it's I know. Swarms I know. Bees. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. So... This is not just a swarm of things, but an organized swarm of things that are building a giant apparatus. It looks is that good, better, and worse? Look, teamwork makes the dream work, so I'm not right. here to teamwork. shame them for doing what they need right. to do, but it does make my skin crawl <laughs> to look at it. Well, I don't know if uh, elaborating on this is going to make it better, but here we go anyways. <laughs> I'm ready. So they're a family of ant species who weave nests using leaves and threads of silk. So the ants will line up along the edges of two leaves and pull them together and then you have the other ants come along with a larva in their mandibles and i bet you're wondering what they're about to do what's happening they squeeze the larva and apply the butts of the larva to the edges of the leaf like a hot glue gun oh my god so they squeeze out strands of sticky larval silk to bind the leaves together this is child labor abuse Just squeeze a child and make yeah. them work? What? Squeeze a child, make them spit out sticky glue thread, and stitch those leaves together. Those I just love... should be in school. I, I love the, the the idea of it. You have all these ants pulling these leaves together. Imagine like a Pixar movie of, of this. <laughs> all these ants... Pulling I the leaves together. pictured ants when they were like right. loading up right. all of the food on the leaf. But instead, and then you like you have all right, Joe, bring in, bring in the glue, glue team, and then they all have babies that they're squeezing the butts and just going. Stick <laughs> 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 the leaf together. We're good. Next baby. <laughs> bring in the next baby. Yeah. <laughs> so they keep adding leaves until they're happy with the nest size, and these can be quite big. So colonies Whoa. can include over a hundred nests and span over multiple trees. So uh, on the, you can also see yeah. the image of the, the ant with the little larva in its mouth, and it's just kind of going back and forth and back and forth with that sticky thread. And then you can see like a whole bunch of leaves. I'd say there's like 50 leaves there all stitched together in this Whoa. giant ball. Okay, so guys, when she was explaining like squeezing the, the baby, I was picturing like on a seam, you know, like mm-hmm. the seam of a leaf would touch the seam. But this is like when you crazy glue as a child and you're like back and, <laughs> back and forth, forth all over. Cross-stitching, like, yeah. Across the span of the leaf. It's cross-stitching with larva butt. And then we have like the, the actual nest looks more, it's it's more pop art. Yeah. Uh, wow, this is beautiful. This would make a great DIY video though, like how to, <laughs> how to like DIY your own home with baby butt. I'm imagining people like being like, oh, let me get some larva and some tweezers and we'll just squeeze. And there you go, baby, back in your container. Still not as wacky as some of those DIY videos where it's like, here, cut a soda bottle in half. Now now take a box of cereal and pulp it and then stick it in the bottle. And now you have a steam engine. The weirdest one I saw was they shredded hot dogs with a paper clip. Why? And then they put it in an egg mixture and then they put that in a waffle maker why and then they had like egg (sighs) hot dog waffle stack and then they covered that in melted beer cheese it's the tower of babel i'm telling you this is these diy videos are our tower of babel and some kind of cosmic (laughs) being is going to strike us down (laughs) they're like these are insufferable hot dog waffle you have gone too far (laughs) humanity While keeping social distance is good for our health in terms of the spread of COVID-19, it's tough on mental health. So how can you stay mentally and physically healthy while staying in relative isolation? First of all, don't let the isolation and all the cancellation make you feel doomed. The fact that big gatherings are getting canceled is actually a very, very good sign that people are taking this seriously, and this will help slow outbreaks. Personally, I would be much more panicked if it weren't happening. School shutting down isn't apocalyptic, it's preventative. 
Right now in China, the number of new cases is going down, so it's possible to get this thing under control. Secondly, keep in touch with your friends and family. Call people and actually speak to them on the phone. I know it's weird when we're so used to texting, but it's important to hear other people's voices, have them hear yours, and if you can use video calls, that would be great too. A study published in The Lancet looked at the psychological effects of quarantine and advises that communication with loved ones and friends helps reduce the negative impacts of quarantine. And remember, when you call someone, you're helping them out as well. If you can, try to stay in communication with your social group and colleagues. Having a big support group and still feeling like you're a part of the community you're normally a part of is very important. Also, remember that if you have the ability to self-isolate, you're helping others. So you should take care of yourself, play some of your favorite games, do things that are relaxing for you, and try not to stay completely plugged into the news 24-7. Reach out to other people, cuddle your pets, take care of your houseplants, and look at adorable pictures of sea bunnies! Seriously, Google that, you will <laughs> not be disappointed. When we return, we'll look at some animal homes made out of sticks and mucus. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. When did people start constructing homes? According to some archaeologists, it was around 1.8 million years ago by some proto-humans at Oldupai. Archaeologists discovered a circle of stones in a sunken spot of earth, leading some anthropologists to think that it's the foundation to some sort of ancient hut. Other anthropologists think this stone circle may have been made by accident by trees growing and pushing rocks in a circle. Personally, I think it's tree aliens. Aliens disguised as trees who are making secret stone circles to confuse our scientists. 
I've got evidence. I've got proof. Go to go to www.treealiens.org.geocities/angelfire.com. Let's get into the conspiracy. I love it. So now I want to talk about some animal homes that are made out of sticks and also mucus too. So have you ever heard of bagworms? No. So they are a family of moth larvae species. There are over a thousand species of bagworms, and they all make these really interesting protective cases made out of silk and materials that they find. So I want you to Whoa. look in the dock and look at those little little log cabins. Okay. So those are actual like sticks that they built into a home? Yes. That is made by an insect. That is imagine if instead of like a four door or a four wall structure of a log cabin they were like we're gonna make like a twisty spiral yes. of logs <laughs> and it looks amazing it's kind of like a pyramid yeah it kind of looks like a, it looks like a, a helix a double helix like oh DNA yeah like helix. dna yeah but made out of oh. logs anytime you see the double helix in nature you're like wow we're all really connected <laughs> it's like dna but made out of twigs man we're all this we're all this we're all the same on this planet earth we call this ship we call a planet earth man yeah Dude. just traveling the galaxy together it's one unit <laughs> Oh man, oh, this is so it. cool. Yeah. So the there's a lot of uh, creativity that happens with what bagworms can make their casing out of. So this is just some species that use twigs. Um, but I do want to talk about them because I absolutely adore their little con constructions here. So Clania cremaria is a bagworm native to India who carefully constructs a spiraling, tapering tower of tiny twigs. What? They purposefully collect twigs of the right sizes to make a log cabin that starts at the base with these thick logs, which are, they're still really, really tiny, like the scale of it. It's hard to tell from yeah. the photos, but they aren't logs. They're, they're just like twigs. <laughs> and probably like, I don't know, under a quarter inch long, uh, Pr pretty tiny like think of a little little teeny tiny moth and then like an even teenier tinier larva so it's it's about that size little teeny tiny fair like fairy cabins and uh they will get increasingly thinner and shorter uh and kind of spiral at the top to a tapered point and they live like they kind of stick out of the base of this little cabin and they can actually walk around like a turtle but their shell is made out of a log cabin. Okay, have you seen Howl's Moving Castle? Yes. Picture, like, instead of, like, a, a steampunk tech sort of right. vibe, like, it's all natural. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're getting. Like, it's he kind of yes. looks like a beetle, but yeah. also mixed with an otter. He's got, like, weird whiskers <laughs> on his face. Yeah. No, uh, Howl's Moving Castle is a really good... I love... I love that movie, by the way. It's my favorite it's, it's Miyazaki wonderful. film. Uh, yeah, he's, I, I love him, too. I, I think it's that is one of my favorite. I do like Spirited Away, too. Spirited Away is such a classic, and it's beautiful, but there's something very much about, like, an awkward young woman who feels yes. like an old lady yes, that speaks I love it. to my heart. I love it, yeah. Uh, who's, like, in love with Angry Boys? Come on, Miyazaki, <laughs> you get me. Love me some Angry Boys. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I also just love the creativity of all his little critters and creatures that he has yeah. in his movies. But, yeah. Absolutely, this does look like a Howl's Moving Castle made out of beetles and twigs. <laughs> so they can move around, hunt. Uh, the female bagworms actually live in this little structure for their entire lives. Oh. They will curl up in their little log cabins even after they pupate into adults. They will mate, lay eggs, and disintegrate inside their homes, which is basically like my life right now. Waka hey. waka. E. <laughs> <laughs> so the females pupate into their adult form, which is typically wingless, and just chill out there for a few weeks, which also happens to be their entire lifespan. And adult bagworm, like, don't feel too bad for the females, though, because even though the males get to go out of their little log cabins, they only live for two days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they are, they can fly, unlike the females. They're fuzzy, black, with transparent wings, and they really only need two days to get their business done. And that business is mating. Wow. Meet, okay. Meet and mate. And then you're done. And then die. It's a real hardcore twinder thing. Like, hey, looking for someone to like mate and then immediately die afterwards with. Thanks. Uh, listen, it's our life just sped up. <laughs> exactly. Just really fast. And I is can that, appreciate that. Is that like dark or inspiring? I can't really tell. I'm going to go inspiring. Yeah. In that, listen, they live a full life in right. just two days. And we yeah. get so many days to try exactly. and live a full life. Maybe to them, though, like they're like, like, 
like we're just like these huge giants that move really slow and they're just like to them two days is like forever they're like these idiots it's hour <laughs> seven get it together all right my wings already mm-hmm. sprouted mm-hmm. i love in a bug's life there's like a uh, do, you, do you remember that? The uh, like, yes. early Pixar thing? Totally. They had a fly at some, I guess at a nightclub or a performance thing, and like they l- disliked the performance. They're like, ah, I spent half of my life here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's after the circus when they mm-hmm. walk out into the street. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just have one more photo of this little log cabin. It's just, oh. it's so crazy, right? It's like this, it looks like it was made by a person. It really, it like does look like fairy. a miniature. Yeah, like, like a little fairy. Yeah. In a fairy garden. It's, so lovely and the size of it seems like impressive that they're able to carry all of this yeah. too and balance it and like if you're thinking about how do they build it on the outside of their body yeah. is weird too because they yeah. don't have thumbs y'all so they're, they're, <laughs> how is it? they use their sticky butt silk to so uh, keep it together yeah i wonder if stuff like this now i don't have any evidence this is all speculation <laughs> but i wonder if this is like things like this maybe not this exactly but like little constructs like this is what made people think about like tiny fairies and little little tiny people i think almost it must have been like the little weird things you find in nature particularly when you don't have internet or large printing presses (laughs) to let you know like yo this is what's happening right Uh, your imagination runs with you and and honestly if you've ever spent extended time in nature uh, particularly if you come from like a, a city or a more like urbanized space, there is feels magical out yes, there. Yes. Like I went to the redwoods recently, and I was like, "Oh wow, yeah. like magic is real, and it is there." And it's different from what you expect. Like in uh, the redwood forest, there's bright green lichen that yeah. grows off the trees. It looks almost artificial. It's such a bright it's like green, neon almost, yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I know like some uh, legends about fairies are from how mushrooms will grow in circles and that's just uh sort of due to the root structure of these these fungal colonies but like they'll see this little circle of like toadstools and think like oh that's a fairy ring and that they all sit on these little toadstools or dance around in a ring and that causes these circles i love human invent- intervention I know. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like yeah. interpreting these things is, or like weird gifts or even like yeah. the irish being like a, a way of dealing with sick babies that you couldn't help but be like oh well this is a changeling, so I gotta go take it back to the forest <laughs> so the fairy will return yeah. my rightful baby. And yeah. like, if it didn't, then okay, well, that's fine. My baby is living forever with the fairies and they're living oh, a very peaceful, boy. loving life. Yeah. There's, I just, I just like we, the way we did we some goof ups. Out. We did some goof we ups in the past. Thinking. We, weren't, we weren't always thinking with our correct brain. Well, speaking of another animal that cares for its young in an interesting way, <laughs> I wanna talk about the African bullfrog, which is the ultimate introvert who creates home out of mucus. Oh, no. Home sweet home. So they are found all over the continent of Africa. So African bullfrogs are big old boys. The males weigh up to 4.5 pounds. Wow. And they can live up to, like, I've seen estimates up to 45 years or 35 years. Middle-aged frogs. Yeah. And they'll pretty much eat everything they can stick in their big old mouths. So snakes, small birds, reptiles, rodents, smaller amphibians, their own children, or your hand. Okay, don't mess with a bullfrog. <laughs> Copy. They actually have sharp teeth, that, which aren't really teeth. They're like these three large tooth-like projections from their oh, lower jaw. What? That really hurt when they bite you. So the females can lay up to 4,000 eggs at a time, and the male will actually help with the child rearing. So they'll stand guard over the eggs and tadpoles when they hatch. But once in a while, you know, look, dad's, dad's got to have, have his snacks, and so he will occasionally indulge and eat a few of the tadpoles. <laughs> I love so many animals that are just like... I had to eat a baby. What can I, I do? Well, look, you know, it's hard. Your baby, you're like taking care of the kids all day. Who's going to blame you for eating a couple? I mean, when there's 4,000 of them and you eat a few, I mean, come on. Mm. I don't know. I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> but they are actually like kind of good fathers other than the eating some of their children because they will painstakingly dig a channel from a pool of like if the tadpoles start to get dried out like their little pool of water starts to evaporate and they're at great risk of like being dried out and dying so the male will dig a channel from the drying pool to a larger pond or a bigger body of water and just kind of painstakingly dig 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 this channel so that the water will flow in and save his babies wow yeah 
And if he eats a couple, I, I think he's earned it. <laughs> so, you know, it, nutritious. Uh, he gave life. He could take it away. Right, exactly. You live under say, my so. roof. I eat you sometimes. Yeah, you that's know, the that's rules. just a risk. Yeah, Be exactly. The, the favorite, and like maybe our, he won't yeah. be. That's like our parents said, you're grounded to my mouth. <laughs> so to protect themselves during dry season, they will dig holes and hibernate from 10 months to up to two years. Okay. Yeah. There's hibernation and then there's being lazy. Let's get it together, <laughs> frogs. So there's a problem, though, of hibernating during dry season. And they do want to hibernate because dry season is not great for an animal who breathes through their mucus-soaked skin. So they need mucus on their skin to help them breathe. They extract oxygen from the air through gas exchange. And the mucus on their skin helps them absorb dissolved oxygen from the air. And they also do have nostrils and lungs that they can breathe through. But that's not really going to help them that much when they're hibernating underground. So for sure. uh, they will build mucus cocoons for themselves, which is a big old ball of mucus that'll keep the frog from drying out during hibernation. Ew, but also cool. Ew, cool. Ew, yeah. Oh, I don't <laughs> big old, mucus, but wow, big old ball of dried mucus. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast about cute animals. I love it. <laughs> so the mucus cocoon actually becomes solid and... It will only soften up when the rainy season returns, and that signals the bullfrog to wake up and emerge from its mucus cocoon unscathed, this but is disgusting. Like a, a next level skincare routine, <laughs> and I really appreciate they actually, it. Actually, so there's like some skincare products made out of snail slime. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, yeah. It's like the idea is that I think like snail slime has some properties, at least for the snail, where it helps their skin heal. And so the idea is if we put it on our faces, then our skin also heals. Not exactly sure of the science of it. Okay. I have, out of morbid curiosity, tried it. I couldn't really tell a difference, to be honest. For me, hit us up. Not to cast aspersions on it. Maybe it were. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to like. I, I'm just saying I'm not sure there is hard evidence that putting snail slime on your face will help you with wrinkles. I don't know if it'll hurt, though, unless you're allergic. That makes I, sense. If you're you allergic know, to snails, don't put it on your face. It, don't ingest also, snails. Also, just don't, like, harass snails. You know what Are I mean? Are people out here harassing snails? Well, I'm saying don't, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't be like, oh, snail slime is good for my skin, and, like, pick up a little snail. And, oh, yeah. Well, snail goes like, hello, friend. What are y'all? God, no. no. Stop it. No, no, no. No. That probably has to be processed, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do it. Uh, I don't know if anyone is doing it, but don't start. Don't start, don't start doing podcast, it. Please okay? don't. We said yeah. very clearly no. Yes, we we said no. We are not legally liable for anyone <laughs> who does it. Don't don't t- don't uh sue us, snails. Little snail lawyer. Yeah. Snail uh, snail at law. <laughs> now we're in B movie. We have snail lawyers. Snail I love lawyers. it. Yeah, I want to make a motion very slowly. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Some of our most incredible human structures are made out of natural living resources. A living root bridge is a suspension bridge made out of live tree roots found in Meghalaya, India. They're made from the massive roots of rubber fig trees. Builders guide the roots to interlock with the roots of another tree across a river or to the stones and landmass on the other side. These bridges are very strong against weather and decay as they are alive and strengthen over time. The roots will grow and thicken and conjoin until it creates a very sturdy structure that can support a lot of weight. There's even a huge double-decker root bridge, two root bridges stacked on top of each other. And you don't have to pay for upkeep. The living bridges are self-renewing and sustainable. When we return, we'll talk about some little birdies who make their houses out of bricks and poop. Yeah. <laughs> As children, we were taught that a home made out of bricks is the smartest choice, but those little piggies could have gotten even more creative, as there are some homes made out of innovative materials. Recycled rubber tires have been used, plastic bottles, recycled newspaper, there's even a Buddhist temple, the Wat Pa Maha Kawa Temple in Thailand, made out of recycled beer bottles. There's even been attempts to use corn cobs as a replacement for wood. So now let's look at how animals use interesting and unexpected materials to build their homes. So I want to talk to you about the red oven bird. Cute name. Very cute. Kind of sounds like a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> red oven bird. Red oven bird. Uh, it is a bird covered in hot Cheetos. Mm, that actually sounds kind of good. Someone did it for Thanksgiving one really? year. I did not uh, partake. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I saw online. It looks beautiful. It's like mm -hmm. orangish, crusty, golden bird. Yeah. Uh, if you tried it, let us know. <laughs> I'm feel curious. Like, feel like this is another Tower of Babel situation that we're getting into. <laughs> like we're doing our crazy DIYs, shredding wieners and making wiener waffles, Ugh. and like now doing like hot Cheetos turkeys. Listen. I don't know. Again, I think like Tower of Babel, it's gonna come crashing down on us. Yeah, it definitely came crashing down on somebody. There was indigestion involved <laughs> oh, with that boy. bird. Oof. <laughs> Bad toilet times. So the South American bird lives in these structures that kind of look like ovens. They will mate in monogamous pairs for life and build cozy little mud homes. So pretty adorable. Aww. Their homes are domes made out of mud and clay with a side entrance and an inner chamber for the eggs. 
and they sometimes reinforce it with plant material as well. So if you scroll down, you can see these little homes. These are so cute. First of all, shout out to telephone poles for being homes for birds. They are I so ne- important for birds. Literally never thought about how birds were like, oh, tall, like yeah. leafless tree structures right. that other animals can't climb. So <laughs> for me. You know, it's funny. A lot of people ask, why do birds sit on telephone wires? Yes. And, and I've been asked that. And it's like, because they like to sit on tall things and there's not a tree there. <laughs> so it's, just, it's just available. Yeah. Their homes, again, feeling 60s modern chic. There's like. Very, yeah, very mod. Three like holes. Uh, basically, if you stacked like three, uh, I don't know what those like clay oven pots are called. Kivas, maybe? Kivas, yes. If you were to stack them and you could look inside the little holes, but then they attach on the yeah. inside, that would be this bird's nest. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So these domes can actually last for years because they're made out of a pretty sturdy material of that mud and plant, kind of creating this like bird concrete. Uh, and they can actually also be used by other birds once they're abandoned. But what's interesting, so I think why you're seeing these little little ovens stacked one on top of each other is that with each new brood, so every time they lay a new batch of eggs, they will build a new home for That's these new so eggs. Cute. They just keep building new homes. I like that they don't have to stay up. in their older siblings' rooms. They're like, no, no, <laughs> we'll just build you guys your own room. Don't exactly. Worry about that. I love that though. Not having to share a room with your stinky brother. Do Excellent. You, I'm just kidding, brother. I love you. <laughs> Do you know how they like travel with the mud, or because it's like stacked on top of a telephone pole? But I don't. How do they move mud? I, mean, I think it's similar to that the weaver birds, where they just make many, many trips. So they just kind of gather Whoa. it up in their beaks and like slap it down and go back and get more. It's it's very labor intensive. Yes, and really cute is that the mated pair will often sit on top of their oven and sing duets together. And Shut up. <laughs> Pixar, this is the next animal Pixar, you make a movie exactly. out of. Oh my goodness. And, uh, you know, I'm not actually sure why they do that. My guess would be to strengthen their pair bond, to like, which is something birds do to kind of like they, when they're monogamous and they form these long-term relationships, they, they do these things to kind of strengthen their connection and their bond. Listen, you can't end date night just because you got married, okay? <laughs> exactly. You got to keep things fresh. So all you couples out there stuck at home, self-isolating, sing together. Oh. Do it. Send us the video. Come on and slam. And welcome to the jam. <laughs> I like that that was your first to go to so, song. So like, <sighs> so my boyfriend, I will trick him into leading me into that song sometimes. Like <laughs> holding up a jar of jam and be like, what is this? He's like, what do you mean? It's it's jam. And slam. And welcome to the jam. It's a, it's a, it's a consistent troll I've got going on. Um, and that, that's the, of course, the theme song to Space Jam, in case you don't know, in case you're so lame you don't know. Uh, please fix your life and go please watch do. Space yeah. Jam, the original. Um, please fix your life. The sequel is coming. <laughs> it is ready. at some point, yeah. But like also, he wanted some more jam from the store, so I bought some. And in the fridge, I put a sign that said, come on and slam and welcome to the, <laughs> and then just like the jam was under it. That's very adorable. Y'all are so cute. (laughs) So another adorable bird pair are the hornbills. So hornbills are that Zazu-type bird, like from the Lion King, who live in tropical regions in Asia and Africa. So there are many different species of hornbill. The one you're probably thinking of are the ones with like that big, like weird bulky thing right on top of their beak. And That big bulky beak actually really helps them to fight, hunt, and construct their elaborate nest. So uh, a little bit about that hornbill beak. Now it differs from species to species, but they typically have a hollow protrusion on the upper bill called a cask, which in some species just helps strengthen the bill, but in others it's so big it can act as a resonance chamber for louder calls. And in helmeted hornbills, the cask is actually not hollow and is infilled with what's called hornbill ivory, which is a hard keratin, and it is these casks that are just solid are used as battering rams in jousting matches with rival males. So these are multifunctional, multi-purpose bills that vary amongst species, but one of the most common things that they are used for is to build their weird isolated nests. So 
Hornbills are typically monogamous and they work together to ensure the safety of their eggs and chicks. So female hornbills will find a tree hollow and lay their eggs and to make sure that snakes and other predators don't get their eggs and chicks, they will work together to seal the female in with her eggs. Whoa. What's that like Poe story, the, the cask of Amontillado? Or... Yeah, 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 where they seal the guy in yeah. the, the tunnels under Paris, which yeah, house a lot of dead bodies. Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's like Horrifying. this. Only lovely and sweet Yeah, and protecting a, a mom and her babies. <laughs> right, so... They will so the, they will use mud poop and fruit pulp to Hopefully create heavy on the fruit pulp. <laughs> create this kind of weird concrete and seal off the entrance of this tree hollow. And before it gets too small, the female will actually squeeze into the cavity and she'll sit in there and then they will continue to build up this entrance until it almost completely cements her in Whoa. and it just leaves a teeny tiny hole just big enough for the male to basically drop little bits of food in through. So it's so small that snakes and other predators can't get in and the male just has to kind of like, boop, put a little berry in this hole so that he can feed the female and the chicks. And at this point, the female com becomes completely reliant on the male to go out and get food and bring it back because oh, she can't Very leave. scary thought. <laughs> yeah. Bring back all the non-nutritious food. You're going to be like, babe, yeah. not burgers again. Yeah. And you yeah. like some fresh fruit. He's like, I asked for berries, not oops, all berries, cap and crunch. Come on. <laughs> So when the chicks are grown and big enough to leave the nest, the female will Kool-Aid man style burst out <laughs> of this concrete wall, just like, oh, yeah, motherhood over. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so worst case scenario, if something happens to the dad, mm -hmm. the female at any time can just burst out and be like, listen, I'm hungry. I have to get out of here. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. She might abandon her nest, but, you know, unfortunately, like, she might stay there and just kind of, like, keep hoping and, you know, could have a tragic ending. So it's really important for that male to go out and get food. But, yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the strategy, I mean, my strategy would be to Kool-Aid style, burst out of there, find that male and give him a stern billing to with Absolutely. my big old beak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I'm glad she has a way out yeah. if she, when she's ready. That scared me. I was like, do you, wait, does he have to break her out or do the baby birds like have special, I don't know, juice sacks that dissolve it. <laughs> Listen, I never know what you're going to bring me. It's always wild. She bursts out there like a Hulk. I mean, can you imagine how <laughs> satisfying that is? Like your Ooh. birds are ready to leave the nest, and you're like, I am out of here. Kablam! She's got to be ripe, too. Like, it's so much time in a very confined space. She's like, I'm going to go shower and you watch these babies because I'm done now. So finally, I want to talk about an animal who not only builds really interesting home, but, like, they look like pieces of art. So Whoa. the caddisfly is a insect that is similar to the bagworm in that their larva builds protective casings. So caddisflies are an order of insects with over 12,000 species, and the adults are moth-like flying insects. They're related to but not contained within the order Lepidoptera, which is moths and butterflies. And they're actually the titular flies that the bait in fly fishing is meant to imitate. Oh. And the reason is that the caddisfly is partially aquatic. So their larvae and pupa are aquatic with gills that they evolved after being terrestrial to evade land predation. So they first evolved terrestrial breathing apparatus, and then they're like, oh, dang, no thank you, and went back into the water because <laughs> of all the predation. So most spectacular are the caddisfly cases. So these are hard, portable homes that the aquatic larvae make to protect themselves. So they're made out of silk, saliva, and basically anything they can find. So this can be sand, pebbles, snail shells, plant material. Some of them are even like the Cremeria bagworm that builds those little log cabins, except it makes it out of aquatic plant stems. Oh, and cool. uh, so if you scroll down, you can actually see some these example of these things. These are stunning. Right? Oh, whoa. The one that made like out of what looks to be plant stems mm -hmm. is so unique. It looks, it's, 
I'm having trouble wow. describing it, but it yeah. looks like a weird, it looks like a salad you would get at like a <laughs> way too fancy restaurant, like a tasting menu, menu like at Spago or something where they're yes. like, mm, here's your salad that has been constructed into a tesseract. <laughs> uh, some of these look like, um, oh gosh, I just had the word, I want to say collages, but mm-hmm. fancier. Uh Mosaics. mosaics. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Some of them look like mosaics, they, especially yeah. this one with the shells that's kind of like com- yeah. compact. And then the one with like, whoever found this giant purple stone to put right <laughs> at the top of his head is honestly like I a divine diva. I love it. This that, is a prince level fly that is here. one of my favorite colors. It's a beautiful accent too. It's just like, and this big stone. Yeah, it's all like the a big other button. stones are kind of like earth tone colored. And this one yeah. is like just a beautiful purple. This is the Lady Gaga of Caddisflies. Preparedness. Beautiful. Holy crap. Sorry, I'm getting to the second level. <laughs> well, this requires some explanation. So to demonstrate that they'll basically use anything in their environment, there is an interesting art piece by French artist Hubert Duprat where he collected caddisfly larvae, stuck them in an aquarium, and planted a bunch of what? precious materials in their environment. So they would build beautiful cases made of pearls, gold, opal, and other precious gems. So in these photos, you can see... They've got, it's like this, It they, they look like jewels, like jewelry, because they've used like gold. They've lined their little, little larval bodies with gold and pearls and gems, and they are really bougie. If you've ever had the privilege of seeing like very ancient jewelry, mm-hmm. like the stuff, mm. um, like the first, um, uh, oh gosh, what is it? The first pharaohs of Egypt, like the early ones before it became like a major place mm-hmm. or like uh, before everyone discovered Egypt, uh, before everyone was like, <laughs> oh, this is our homeland, too. Um, or like very early Greek stuff. It's like sort of they flattened out the gold pieces. Mm-hmm. It almost looks hammered yeah. in places, which obviously these guys are not picking up hammers. Um, and then they've woven like gorgeous pearls and this blue sort of like opaly thing. Oh my gosh! They're like really artsy brooches. Yeah, I want to say yes, brooch. That's what I thought they were. I thought they were like brooch. Uh, I call it a brooch. I brooch, don't know if there's an brooches. appropriate way. I don't know if there's a right way. I am. I'm really kind of revealing how unfancy a person I am that I don't even know what a brooch is. <laughs> this it does look like a brooch. I would wear this and brioche. Not <laughs> the bread. No. <laughs> Katie. I've been wearing bread on me this whole time. It's super embarrassing. Listen, wild. Thought it was the fancy thing to do. <laughs> this is gorgeous. Like, I, I didn't think anything a bug could create whatever, yeah. like, inspire Beautiful. me or feel trendy. But, I, like, yeah. fashion designers could use this as inspiration for just, sure. I want to know, like, what their process is. Mm. Like, if they are just, like, slapping it on any old wear or if they there's some amount of intention there. There seems to be some pattern, but not yeah, a lot. Like, know. the pearls are sort of... I don't know if the pearls were stranded first. You know what? I, I can't tell if it's a strand of pearls that they sort yeah. of woven in or if they have yeah. individual pearls. I mean, they're using their sticky sticky uh, silk, as as is often the case, to attach these to their body. But, yeah, I almost wonder if there is a pattern. I actually don't know this. Again, wild speculation. My favorite thing to do on the podcast is that they probably try to make it as close to their environment as possible while still making it a protective casing so it's both a level of camouflage mm. and protection. So they probably want hard materials that protects their soft bodies, but also camouflage so if they can get things kind of stacked up in there that I guess like is a nice random distribution of their environment that's still protective yeah, I don't know because like like they seem to be kind of putting a bunch of gems around and in kind of clusters and maybe thinking like this will look this will look natural in this my aquarium full of fancy gemstones. I definitely see that. I was trying to figure out like it doesn't seem to be like a weight distribution thing at all because mm-hmm. one of them has the pearls like right by their head, one's mm-hmm. like on the very butt, and one's sort of in the middle. Uh, the the stones don't seem to. But the colors seem sort of evenly distributed, like where the blue is sort of like placed evenly throughout. Mm-hmm. These are really fast. Like I could stare at these all day. I know. I know. It was beautiful. I kind of want one. Right? Oh, no. Absolutely. You know? I would even take one. I'm going back to the photos now of the natural materials. I know. And like yeah. kind of comparing and contrasting. Very yeah. similar. 
would apps i would take any like this is it's the I, most gorgeous art i've ever seen created yeah, by an animal before i know i mean like i know these are aquatic so i couldn't have one live on me as a brooch <laughs> on my chest but i kind of want it maybe too. when it has vacated yeah it's, it's maybe i could get like like bagworms the the other uh insects we talked about are terrestrial so maybe i could get like a bagworm friend and have it live on me and be like a brooch and i could go to a fancy party and be like oh who who, who are you wearing and it's like well i call him tammy oh no <laughs> <laughs> i would actually really love to see this you'd be the bell of the ball uh, like all natural i'll be the bell of the ball <laughs> <laughs> covered in bugs <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joelle. Thanks for having me back, Katie. Yeah, I hope this kind of makes people feel a little better about being stuck in their homes because, you know, we're, we ain't alone on this earth. Nah. Lots of other animals are huddling in. And making it work, getting through the day. Making it work by filling it with precious gems <laughs> and poop. <laughs> so, yes, fill your homes with precious gems, love, laughter, and poop. Yeah. <laughs> so, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you know, keep listening to the podcast here at iHeart. Nerdificent Night Call is going to be, if you guys are concerned about uh, COVID and want to hear more as the, uh, the developments happen, Night Call releases every Monday and they are really doing a deep dive. This Monday they'll have a call with um, a doctor who okay. kind of gives them like advice about like, what do you want to be concerned about? What's not so to be concerned about? Mm-hmm. How can you... Um, continue to live a normal life mm-hmm. uh, while practicing social distancing, which was really comforting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of new exciting stuff to coming up. So you can follow me on Twitter at Joelle Monique, and I'll give you guys the updates there. Yeah, yeah. I think we are very, very fortunate enough to be in an industry where we actually can keep doing stuff remotely. And I think that is a great privilege that we get to keep keep doing stuff. And I am... I really appreciate everyone who is still listening to the podcast, and I am really rooting for everyone out there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CreatureFeetPod, F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T, that is something very different. Mm-hmm. We're also on Instagram. Uh, I might go a little stir-crazy at home, so I'll probably post a lot of pictures of my dog, so please do check that out. It's Creature Feature Pod on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter, Katie Golden. Just some of my Katie thoughts I uh, have. <laughs> you don't really, you, if, I mean, if you don't want to peek behind the curtain and see all my Katie thoughts, I do not blame you. But if you do, I'm at Katie Golden on Twitter. They're and, pretty great, guys. You <laughs> definitely do. And of course, as always, I am at Pro Bird Rights, where, listen, birds, we, we got it going on. We know, birds know what they're doing. I think we should all just become slightly more, be the bird you want to see in the world. Oh, I like that. <laughs> So just so you know, as far as I know and and what my plans are is to continue to release the show every week. And I really appreciate you guys still tuning in. And yeah, and if you're enjoying the show, one way you can really help me out is rate, review, subscribe and download the podcast. Like it it doesn't seem like it does anything because you're just clicking buttons, but it actually really super helps me get up in those algorithms. And that is so important. For me to keep this podcast going. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you next Wednesday. Feature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio website, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you're listening to your dang old podcasts. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super spooky song, Exolumina. See you next Wednesday. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, At these prices, 
You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.